Welcome back to Fuse from the Turnstile, everyone. We're in the middle of another footy frenzy at the moment. As I turn to you, Thina, what have you made of this second round of condensed footy and uh, some of the results over the weekend? Yeah, there was a few upsets in that round. and uh, It's pretty hard to keep up with everything going on. But um, yeah, it looks like the race for the top eight is going to be pretty close in the next few weeks. Yeah, look, it's been a pretty traumatic week for myself, thanks to the um, condensement of games. I've now had to experience two traumatic Melbourne games, so thanks AFL for that one. I was definitely feeling for you at the moment, and we will be touching on the D soon. But first, off the top, I wanted to get your thoughts on the grand final officially being at the Gabba. Uh, When we recorded last week, it was basically all done, but they officially announced it there, and... Uh, Hayden, what do you reckon we can expect from a spectacle uh, at the Gabby in Brisbane? Well, I think West Coast won't be happy about it. They haven't been playing well in the dewy conditions, so they would have much preferred being back at home. But I think it's really good. Um, It's exciting to have such a huge event up in Queensland for footy um, because they've had such issues getting um, sort of support behind it in the past. I think it'll be really good. And especially with, you know, COVID going on, it's been really hard to sort of see much sports. So, yeah, I think it's really positive for the game. And I guess, Finn, uh, we both thought that Optus Stadium would be kind of the best ground in terms of crowd sizes. But I think especially with the border restrictions and everything Queensland's done to keep the season alive, it was probably the right choice to have the grand final there. Yeah, I think it makes sense to have the grand final at the Gabba. And I think, yeah, as Hayden mentioned, it's good for Queensland in terms of football and good for the fans up there to get the opportunity to watch a grand final. Um, it'd be interesting to see what type of spectacle it is. I guess I think uh, your man, Hayden uh, Kane Corns, had a bit to say today <laughs> regarding the Jew on the Gabba. So, and he said that could make a boring contest. So it'll be interesting to see what that happens. But uh, I guess it'll just depend on who's playing. Just we must be pretty in sync. I didn't see that article, so... <laughs> <laughs> clearly trying to get some uh, headlines based off your name, Hayden, uh, trying to parody some of the work we do here on this show. But I'm sure some comments from you, which will be headline grabbing, is your thoughts on the Melbourne Footy Club. Uh, They looked in the box seat for finals, had a pretty favourable run home, but dropped two games in a row against uh, two bottom six sides on the ladder, though it does have to be said that Sydney and Freo have been quite good in patches this season. But Hayden, what did you make of your day's effort? Uh, finals on the line, and it looks like another missed opportunity this season. Yeah, well, I thought I might start with a quote here from a fellow passionate Melbourne supporter in Titus O'Reilly, where after the game he said, it's like the, the lockdown and Me- the Melbourne Football Club are in a competition to see who can hurt my soul the most. And I think that <laughs> resonates pretty well with the uh, supporters. But yeah, I mean, you've got to give credit to Frio and Sydney. I think people have underestimated them a fair bit this season. But I think they've gone the right way about rebuilding their clubs. Um, they've sort of just obviously been building really hard. And some young, good young players coming through. And I mean, Melbourne was pretty appalling, I'll say that much. Um, but I, I think my main sort of criticism has been like I've been unsure about their selection like every week changing heaps of players that are sort of on the brink and just sort of interchanging not 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 big players and not making like a huge difference so I mean I'm unsure who our the best 22 is for the team and whether that makes a huge difference in the overall cohesion Um, whether you guys agree or disagree with that 
I guess it did stand out to me that they had uh, seven changes for the game against Freo and uh, a reasonable number of them were unforced. But I guess bringing Finn into the conversation, one thing that really stood out to me as a neutral supporter was just kind of the lack of effort they had for the uh, contest, which was particularly kind of stood out a bit, especially when these games were final shaping. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, as an outsider looking in, it doesn't look great in terms of their effort. I think... A few statistics that I had a look at, I think, against Freo last night, they were beaten by 108 possessions uncontested, which is pretty big, and 40 marks. So I guess that maybe shows the the running ability's not there or they just don't want the ball enough. I think their contested work's okay, but there's definitely question marks there about what the future of that midfield is or where they're going to go next year. Yeah, it was like... Uh... My uncle said it was like Melbourne were playing with soap and Fremantle were playing with a footy. <laughs> it was pretty awful to watch. And like, there's other things too. They brought in Pruce as a tall forward um, when they've got Tom McDonald and Mitch Brown on the sideline who were actual specialised key forwards. And, um, you know, they had to move Stephen May up forward because they weren't getting any opportunities marking. And like, Stephen May's a key defender. Like, you shouldn't have to do something like that. They should have proper answers and they're sort of bringing in um say toby bedford for his second game of the year um and pulling out other players that are probably more experienced it's it just it seems so so strange to me that they're sort of bringing in um inexperienced players this for such a crucial game of the season I will say, I think uh, Braden Pruce's selection was justified based on his tackle on nathan wilson alone that was <laughs> yeah. pretty special effort from a big man but I guess moving forward now that season 2020 looks to be off the cards, uh, Hayden, what do you think is the issue? Is it the coaching, the teamwork? Uh, Gary Lyon called them a team with a bunch of individuals. And what do you think the strategy should be this offseason, trying to hit uh, the trade table and free agency again and even cut uh, some veterans like Nathan Jones loose? I think Jones might, that this might be his last season just because of the injury concerns and missing out. I don't think it's likely they'll offer him another year. But like, there's so many, so many things going on. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Simon Goodwin because it seems like he lacks a lot of answers. Um, He sort of says, you know, we think it's this, we think it's that, but nothing ever really gets fixed. So whether it's um, an issue from a coaching perspective or whether it's a maturity thing, um, they brought in when they were rebuilding Ruse brought in Jordan Lewis and Bernie Vince and they their sort of leadership and maturity really added to the group and since 2018 and 2017 when we lost them whether that's made a huge difference as well but um, maybe we will hit the trade table but in terms of picks we don't really have much because we gave up a lot um, last year um, to get Langdon and um, Tomlinson so yeah it'll be interesting I guess, uh, Finn, what do you reckon the answer is? Because they've uh, targeted a lot of players like May, Levin, as Hayden just touched on, Tomlinson and Langdon. Do you think they need to go again to get another final piece or just try and consolidate what they already have on the list? Yeah, it's hard to tell because there definitely is a lot of natural talent in that team. You look across the board and a lot of it is young as well. So there's definitely a future there, but there may just be key players that they're they're not found in the right positions yet whether that's another key forward that is going to kick a lot of goals next year or some more outside run but yeah I think yeah and depends whether Goodwin is the coach to to lead them forward I think there's definitely a few questions there to be asked of Melbourne 
Well, I think uh, the Melbourne hierarchy should definitely listen to Finn's thoughts because he's the only person on this podcast who can make a decent prediction. And he <laughs> did that on Sunday with the Bulldogs and West Coast. He was the only one to back the doggies in and they ended up getting the win by the barest of margins thanks to a Marcus Bontempelli goal. Uh, I won't repeat the phrase <laughs> he did after the game, but to the Bulldogs' credit, they were the better team for most of the contest, but the inaccuracy cost them at times. But, Finn, was this the kind of performance you were expecting from the Bulldogs when you tipped them last week? Yeah, I think last week pretty much just said the season on their line. I think they're just going to try play in classic Bulldog way, just move it fast and... Um, try play that attacking brand of football and I think they, they did that pretty well I think mean, Eagles started pretty fast and the Dogs were able to match them um, and they yeah, they probably could have won by a bit more, their goal kicking wasn't great but uh, I think you mentioned in the pre-game that Dunkley had a really big game and his uh, versatility for that team is really important um, and again they're getting goals out of Mitch Wallace as well as a small forward who's been reinvented down there so they're finding a way to win at the moment and um, yeah, hopefully they're able to cement themselves in that top eight. It was a roller coaster of emotions going into that game in terms of tipping. You know, first I was confident with West Coast, and then I saw the news on Nick Nat. Then I was worried, and then first quarter I thought, "You beauty, got got the free points," and then then we hit the stalemate, and then gee, I, I was worried from then. I think Finn was pretty on the money with that. But do you think no no Nick Nat would have made the difference, Hamish? Because you tipped West Coast with me. Uh, well, what I kind of factored in going into the game is I thought their class in the ruck and Ford's up tall would be the difference. So I think Nick Nat being out definitely made a difference. But I think looking at Darling and Kennedy, I thought they had pretty down games. I think Kennedy got one or two goals, but Darling had a few moments where he could have stood up on the free quarter time siren. And he actually had a shot at goal after Bontempelli to put them up and... He wasn't able to, so I guess credit for that Bulldogs backline for holding firm and even just some of the inventive moves that our Luke Beveridge made. Uh, Mitch Wallace has been kind of playing as a small forward out of the goal square all season, but as Finn touched on Josh Dunkley, he was in the midfield and in the ruck, which playing in the ruck was is already a bit unusual, but he was their centre-half forward at times, so... I thought they just really kind of went for a gritty game style, a lot of ball on the ground to stop Jeremy McGovern from getting in the game and it paid dividends in the end. I suppose looking towards the Bulldogs, you've got to give mention, you've given mention to uh, Dunkley, but Caleb Daniel was, I think, very pivotal as well in sort of his positioning, getting those uncontested possessions and then he's just, he's just such a mastermind, you know, setting up the play. Um, I think they, he's another crucial player in their lineup. I think when you look at the the other side of that in terms of the Eagles, I think there's definitely a few questions there regarding since they've moved over from WA playing in that Queensland hub and they have struggled. I think the big midfielders aren't standing up at the moment, which and especially with McGovern injuring his thumb and Jack Redden potentially having surgery this week, I think there's some question marks there and whether Nick Nat plays this week and hard to tell. So what do you guys think the Eagles need to do or do you reckon they're going to be able to bounce back? Yeah, well, they now miss out on top four depending on whether Richmond beat Geelong and um, not a position you sort of want to be in. Um, and then dogs sort of want to beat the Hawks and Dockers to secure a position. But, I mean, they, they do have quite a few crucial injuries, wouldn't you say, Hamish? Uh, yeah, definitely at the moment. I mean, you touched on Redden, who could be out for the rest of the season. We know... 
Yo isn't in the side at the moment, and that looks like he'll return at the finals uh, at the earliest. But yeah, I do think they have some issues not being able to play in WA, being up in Queensland where it is Dewey quite a bit. Honestly, I think they'll be fine in terms of the finals because we've seen before that they're good enough to go all the way. But it definitely feels like they're a bit off now in Queensland when compared to the way they were playing in WA. But another team uh, who actually have a few problems are the Brisbane Lions. Uh, to be fair, they've been able to win, but their kind of high-scoring game style has been down a bit. And it was present against Collingwood on Friday. They won, but had two goalless quarters. Uh, I guess Hayden, we kind of touched on it uh, a couple of days ago, but what have you made of the Lions, especially with how this season is set up well for them uh, with a lot of the clubs being based in Queensland at the moment. Yeah, I think um, Collingwood did a pretty good ex- exposing sort of Brisbane's weakness once again with their inaccuracy in the forward line. And in Collingwood's defence, they were without some of their top players, like side bottom to Lord, Degoey, Howe. Um, I think they would have made the world of difference in that game. And, um, you know, Harris Andrews coming out definitely wasn't worth um, sort of the win for Brisbane in a sense. Um but, you know, Brisbane did have some pretty instrumental young players and Hugh McCluggage and Jared Berry, I thought, were pretty great. Um, but, yeah, it, it does look good for Brisbane. They're sort of setting themselves up, cementing themselves, possibly for top two, at least top four. I don't think they'll get knocked out. Yeah, you mentioned how they're just managing to scrap their way to wins. I think the last four weeks they haven't played their best football, not managing to get that high-scoring game going. But, yeah, they have managed to win those last four games, which has been pretty important, and it sets them up quite well in that top four. Um, But I think, yeah, the Andrews loss can't be understated, I think. is a massive blow for them, and uh, it probably could ruin their premiership hopes. How did you feel about, as a supporter, Hamish, about... Braden Maynard coming in on um, Mitch Robinson. Uh, I thought it was quite entertaining seeing kind of two balls of the competition collide. Like <laughs> even uh, with my kind of Collingwood goals on, I reckon it probably should have been a free to Mitch Robinson. But uh, I thought it was kind of great to see two competitors clash like that and there seemed to be no animosity uh, post-match. And I guess it's just the way uh, Braden Maynard plays a lot. He's always on edge. He, he had a corky, but he wasn't out of the contest by any means. Yeah. I went back and looked at the footage, and you can actually see Mitch Robinson pushes down John Noble after um, after the goal. I was going to say, it didn't look like Maynard did it for nothing, but I actually kind of respect him a little bit for that. I'd like to have him on my team. Yeah, well, uh, maybe Mitch Robinson uh, got some feedback from David Noble, John's father, the CEO <laughs> of the uh, well football director, the Brisbane Lions. But I guess touching on that Harris Andrews injury, it's a big blow. Probably Lockie Neal's their best player, but I reckon he's their most important Andrews and he's going to be hard to replace. But to finish off this segment... What do you make of the Lions' opportunity now? It's perfectly set up for them this season in the sense that the grand final's at their home ground. They haven't left the state of Queensland since mid-July and probably won't have to. On paper, it looks really good for them, but do you guys reckon with kind of everything being set up for them that they might be able to make it back to the grand final this year? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, with their... The grand final in Brisbane and the way the finals look set up to potentially have some games in Queensland, I think they've got a fantastic opportunity. I think they've got Sydney and the Blues to come, which should be winnable games for them. So 
I think it's a massive opportunity for them. Even without Andrews, they should be able to capitalise. Yeah, I think they've been pretty pampered this season. It's being able to stay up in their home state, only having to travel as far as Metricon for, you know, away games in um, inverted commas. But um, I think if they can't win it this year, then it'll be pretty hard considering they don't do so well um, playing at the MCG and places like that against Richmond, who are sort of the real premiership contenders. Well, we'll leave the segment there. And after the break, we'll refuse some of the other games from last round. Now he walks in, launches, it's long, it's strong, he's pulled one from the bottom of his bag of tricks. Uh, Welcome back to the show everyone, you just heard uh, some audio of Lockie Murphy's great goal last week which was kind of the cherry on top of Adelaide's first win for the season. Uh, We did predict on this podcast that Adelaide wouldn't get a win this season but when we've been batting 100 with the hot take segments, you're bound to get one run sooner or later. But, uh, Finn, what did you make of this match as a Hawthorne supporter? We all tipped the Hawks, so acknowledging this could be a danger game. But what did you make of their effort? Because in the end, Adelaide ran away with it quite easily. Yeah, it had to be Hawthorne who um, Adelaide finally got their first win over. So <laughs> that was pretty disappointing. But... um. Yeah, I think as soon as the game started, you could tell. I think I, would, I could definitely tell the Hawthorne were in a bit of trouble. Adelaide were just moving the ball better and probably wanted it a bit more as well. Um, and it, the season now hits a new low for Hawthorne. Um, yeah, but it's interesting to see where they go from here. Um, there's definitely a lot of youth in both teams, and Adelaide probably might have the better younger players in there, so they have a potential to rebuild quicker. But. Uh, yeah, so I'm not 100% sure where they go from here. What do you guys think? I mean, you say it was a bad game, but I mean, it's it's pretty good in terms of looking into the draft next year. I'm sure you'd agree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hand, definitely handy for draft picks. Um, it's funny, it was actually the Crows' first win in 395 days, which is pretty ridiculous. And it was pretty momentous because, yeah, they had four first wins for young players in Schoenberg, Keys, McAdam and um, Scholl, so... They had a Gatorade shower for Matthew Nix. It was like, a, you know, an honour save for the grand final, but I guess beating Clarkson gets you that honour. Well, well, some people during the week were saying this is Adelaide's grand final in terms of their best chance of winning a game. Like, that analogy might have fallen a bit on death ease for the people on the team who actually played in a grand final a couple of years ago. It was pretty far apart from what you'd expect. But I guess touching on Finn's question on Hawthorne, it definitely does feel like a year to go back to the draft and a lot of excitement, at least for me, from Hawthorne this year has been from players like Will Day, who really look like they could be the future of the football club. But I guess putting it back on you, Finn, in terms of a lot of the veteran players on the list, uh, who would you be keeping out of the likes of Burgoyne and Frawley or would you be keeping them at all? I think there's definitely some dead wood there that could be moved to get draft picks. I don't know whether they'd be able to demand uh, trades from other clubs, but uh, look at guys like Tim O'Brien, who's showed signs, but he's been on the list for seven years now, and he's only really strung together a few good games. And you mentioned Frawley and Burgoyne, who are definitely getting older. Um, I think Burgoyne's probably good enough to stick around for another year if his body lets him, and Frawley potentially the same, but whether they can be depended on to perform every week, yeah, yet to be seen. Well, I guess uh, moving on to the next segment, and it got pretty ugly for Essendon on 
Sunday. Uh, we all thought the Cats would be too good for them, but that first half was just clinical from the Cats. They showed why they're probably the Premiership favourite at the moment, and it showed that Essendon are still a fair way off the top teams in the competition, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect to see them get blown out like that, but that game kind of just showcased Geelong's phenomenal ball movement and just their ability to defend so efficiently. And you sort of got a good showcase of, you know, their, their star players in Hawkins, Dangerfield and Duncan just sort of playing with all the confidence of the world. But it's also in their depth performing. So like Dal House, Menegola and Guthrie, who are just doing their role, those sort of middle ground players, which is just really important in um, just sort of executing your game plan. So, I mean, the Bombers lacked a, a lot of pressure and Geelong got like 60 marks in the first half, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Menegola, like his season, I think, has gone under the radar a bit. But I think there's been a bit of talk this week regarding him as potential as a Brownlow Smokey and <laughs> first-time All-Australian. And he just had another fantastic game on the weekend. And I think his game, along with um, Duncan and Guthrie, allows Dangerfield to go forward and have an impact up there. Along with Hawkins and Myers, it's uh, Geelong's such a dangerous team. They're a pretty ominous prospect, especially with uh, Ablett, Selwood and Tui all to come back in that side. And Reese Stanley was also uh, out for the game. But switching gears to Essendon, uh, what do you make of them? It seems like another season where they just weren't good enough once again. And of course, the news this morning that Connor McKenna's retiring to head back to Ireland. Uh, where do you see Essendon heading forward after this season, especially with uh, kind of all the clouds surrounding Joe Danaher at the moment, Finn. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's interesting for them at the moment. There's definitely a lot of critics uh, on Essendon at the moment. I think something that was interesting, a bit controversial, the way that they, I think there was a shot of them at half time in the huddle in the game, having a laugh about a joke or something, and they were 10 goals down, and I think there's questions regarding their identity. Uh, do they have a game plan? What's their coaching setup going to look like next year? Um, there's definitely things that need to be sorted out. And along with the Danaher situation as well, as you mentioned, there's a lot of question marks surrounding Essendon at the moment. I guess moving on to another game from last round, and uh, Richmond did manage to get the job done against Fremantle, though they were made to fight for that win. But probably the main news from last week was the controversy off the field surrounding the uh, Sydney Stack and Calman Coleman-Jones. Hayden, what did you make of this news? It's kind of been uh, representative of Richmond's season. They continue to get all the job done on the field, but there's a lot of controversy that keeps following them uh, off the field across the last few months or so. Yeah, they were caught in the spotlight again, weren't they? Um, I mean, <laughs> it's not great, um, especially at this point in the season. You don't want to be losing plays and sort of that sort of spotlight on you the 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 copying the fine uh, i think it was 100k and the players have to split i think they were splitting about 75 of it but i mean it was pretty pretty interesting and i mean looking at the game too i think um frio sort of went into it pretty pretty right picking up three tall forwards against richmond because we know richmond don't have a very tall defense and with grimes out i would have been pretty worried yeah i think Richmond just found a way to get it done, and despite those uh, off-field distractions, I think they're still going to be one of the premiership favourites coming into the into the finals, and uh, especially if they're just able to keep finding wins. Another game uh, which had massive finals ramifications was GWS against Carlton, and it's kind of symptomatic of Carlton's season this year. They 
were great against GWS for three quarters, but in the end, uh, GWS's talent came to the fore and they just surged home in the last quarter. Uh, Finn, what did you make of this performance and do you think the Giants will just be able to keep getting the job done to lock up their spot in the top eight this season? Yeah, I think the Giants are probably too good to miss finals in the situation they're at at the moment. Um, yes, they didn't have great games from Cameron Himmelberg and Finlayson, but guys like Riccardi keep keep finding a way to hit the scoreboard and take the pressure off those guys. And Green and Haynes both had really good games. And definitely Haynes, his importance to that team is is really big. And I think there'll be big performers coming into the um, finals. I think it's worth noting that I don't think the score sort of represented the um, the game. You know, Giants had, there were six goals and 12, so to uh, Carlton's five, goal, five goals and nine. So, I mean, the margin could have been far bigger than it was, to be fair. But I think, like you pointed out, Jake Riccardi, once again prominent, sort of two back-to-back goals in the final quarter to sort of give him, um, you know, a bit of an edge coming back. So, and I, I think now the Blues are definitely pushed out of finals contention um, based on their points too. What do you make of their season now that they're probably out of the finals race? They did improve, but there's been a lot of games this season where they were in the fight, but just lapses early in the game or late in the game have cost them. Aiden, do you reckon they're on the right track or do you reckon they kind of need to reassess again this off-season and try and target some more uh, key and experienced players? Yeah, I think... They've, they've gone pretty well considering how they finished last year like um, in terms of just their overall quality has improved but whether they've rebuilt the right way like Sydney and Freo have with their sort of selection and um, pickups is yet to be said and Patrick Cripps is um, maybe he's been feeling the pressure a bit as a captain too I'm not sure whether that's affected his performance at all yeah, it seems like we mention it every week. I think the Blues just you know, struggling to put four quarters together. They can play three quarters really well, and then it's always one quarter that lets them down. And whether that's the lack of experience in that team, you talk about Cripps having to carry a lot of a lot of the workload, and uh, it's shown a lot this year. And guys like Walsh stepping up, but there's probably not enough enough contributors there. They'll definitely be an interesting prospect heading into 2021, especially with some of their experienced players on their list, seeing if they go around again. But we finished all our reviews for the games last round, so it's time to return to the big hot take segment for this podcast. And this week, it is the suspense killer because my DMs have been blowing up. Everybody wants to know what news will break the footy world this week. And I'm going to turn my attention uh, to an international game, tennis. Little-known tennis player called Novak Djokovic, of course, was kicked out of the US Open. Uh, he had been undefeated during the season. It was because he hit one of the staff with a tennis ball in the face. So... My argument is that we like to joke about Falcons a lot in the AFL with people getting hit in the face with the ball, but I think we need some hard rules like tennis. So I think for the rest of the season, any player who hits another player or someone in the crowd with a Falcon like Djokovic should be suspended for the rest of the season. Does this count for friendly fire? Because we've seen a bit of that this season. Uh, I think it's even worse. Like, how can you have trust in a teammate who just hits you flush in the face with a Sharon like... There's been a few victims. I think Cade Simpson, like the veteran, was probably one of the <laughs> worst ones. He still probably doesn't have the imprint of the Sharon Arv off his face. We like to make fun of it, but it's quite a violent action. And I think as a code, we shouldn't be encouraging this for 
all the young viewers who tune in each week. It's good to know that we've got a, um, a judge in the house in uh, some giving a nice uh, opinion on the matter. So I think it's a good way to take the uh, the footy world forward. Just putting that uh, two years of law at uni uh, to good advantage. That's all I'll refuse for the last games of this festival of footy. So we're going to take a break and then return with our tips for the next batch of games. It's a long ball from Blitzarves on the left. It's an enormous ball. He kicked the first of the game. He's kicked an absolute gem. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You just heard some commentary audio of uh, Mark Blixar's incredible pluck from the ruck and goal on Sunday. Uh, Geelong had a pretty easy time against Essendon, though. You reckon they'll face a tougher task against Richmond in what could be a grand final preview this week. But before we get to that match, we'll give a tip update and... Finney's made a bit of space on the rest of us, especially after that Bulldogs tip. Much like the top eight thing, this tipping ladder could change at any second, but are you feeling uh, pretty comfortable on the run home? I don't think I can ever be comfortable with uh, the way we've tipped this year, and I think with the games, uh, it's really hard to pick a winner in all of them pretty much, so with uh, underdogs winning every week, so... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it shapes out. Very humble, isn't he, Hamish? (laughs) Considering that you've got the Adelaide of the tipping competition in me, you could probably at least uh, only have to worry about Hayden for the rest of the season. But this big block of tips uh, could change things and we kick off with the game of the round and uh, possibly the season between Geelong against Richmond. As I mentioned, a potential grand final preview between the two form teams of the competition uh, Hayden, what are your thoughts heading into what should be a blockbuster clash? Yeah, it's a lot to play for this game. The Eagles would want Geelong to win, and that would put the Cats in in first place, actually, um, putting out Port by percentage, even though Port are yet to play, and you know that would push Eagles for a potential fourth if they would beat the Saints. So there's a lot to play for. But then if Richmond win, they move to second, um, which is really good for them, so... It's it's going to be a close one. I think you'd probably think Geelong might just have the edge, but I'll tip Richmond for this one. Oh, it's a big call. I think similar to what you say, I think it's massive for both teams. It definitely could be a grand final preview and looks like one of the best games of the year coming up. So I think I'll go Geelong just, but I uh, could definitely see backing. I could definitely see Richmond getting the win as well. Yeah, I'd probably agree with Finn, a very line bold tip, but I think Geelong's just been the better team on form recently, and I think especially getting the likes of Selwood and potentially Toy back could be the difference. But another intriguing uh, match coming up tonight between Adelaide and GWS, you'd expect this one not to be too close usually, but given some of the Giants' outs and Adelaide's form, could be a danger game for GWS, but I'd still have to tip them uh, just kind of based on the two teams' uh, respective lineups. But Finn, do you reckon Adelaide can cause a similar upset this week? Yeah, I think the Crows will definitely give themselves a chance um, the way they played last week in Hawthorne, whether that's probably not much to go on. But um, I think but I'll probably go GWS just because they're playing for a final spot and I think... When it comes down to it, they're, they're a pretty clutch team, so I think I'll back them. Yeah, it's difficult because the Giants are coming off a four-day break and the Crows are weak, whether that'll make a difference. Um, but I think <laughs> you talked about their form, Haven. Um, I mean, Adelaide, their first win. I mean, if you look... <laughs> yeah, they're in pretty good form, I guess. 
when you've lost every other game, it is good form. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say Adelaide have had their fill um, for the wins for the season. So uh, I'm going to say GWS. Uh, still upset about uh, the one hot take we had going turning <laughs> out to be wrong. But <laughs> another pretty close game. Both of these teams out of finals calculations. But Carlton versus Sydney. And even though I'd argue that Carlton's best is potentially better, I think Sydney have just been more consistent recently, so I'm going to back the Swans. Uh, what do you think, Hayden? Yeah, I'd expect a, probably a, a low-scoring result based on the um, their previous games. Um, and I think Sydney are very capable, and they've done pretty well at away games this year. But I'm, I'm going to go Carlton. I think they're, they've been very good this year. Um, Sydney have been a little hot and cold. I mean, they beat Melbourne, but that wasn't a, it was a pretty awful game, whereas Carlton, I think, did pretty well against JWS, so... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on them. Yeah, I think I'm gonna back Carlton as well. I think Sydney's form has been good, but I think the Blues are just a little bit of a better team. Both teams have both uh, young players coming through, and they've been performing pretty well this year. So I think it'll be interesting. But I, yeah, I'm gonna back the Blues. And uh, next up, we have the Lions versus the Suns, uh, the biggest rivalry in footy, the Q Clash. But it should be a bit closer than our recent years, considering the Suns' improvement. But I think even with uh, the loss of Harris Andrews, I think Lions should win this uh, spot in the top four and top two to secure. Uh, I reckon they should get the job done. Yeah, I think if we gave the Suns a year or two just to give them a bit more maturity, because this year's kind of been their breakout year, I think that'd do them a world of good. But I think, yeah, you'd have to sort of think that the Lions would have this one. The Suns are only playing for bragging rights at this point. And I mean, it's, it's only Queensland. I mean... No, <laughs> and um, you know the Lions have the advantage at home so yeah that's who I'll pick yeah I think the Suns have definitely shown signs this year and with no Harris Andrews I'm interested to see if Ben King might be able to kick a bag but I think I'll go the Lions as well just too strong continue with their form yeah only Queenslander Hayden taking a sledgehammer to the home of football for the <laughs> season <laughs> uh, to be fair I've been up there some parts of Queensland aren't the best but uh, another big uh, sh- final shaping match uh, for Queensland this season is Saints versus Eagles. Saints managed to get the job done against Hawthorne while we've talked about the Eagles' recent form issues, but I think the Eagles should be able to get the job done against the Saints, even though uh, they're not particularly liking the kind of dewy conditions in Queensland. But what do you think, Finn? I think it'll be a really interesting game because the Saints have been able to get some wins and uh, the Eagles are struggling, as we've mentioned. So uh, I think it'll be really close. Um, but with no McGovern and potentially no Redden, uh, whether Nat Nui comes back, I'm not sure. But I think the Saints will get a win. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking at too. I was thinking just sort of based on... There's been question marks around both teams and with the Bulldogs sort of um, really testing West Coast um, sort of showed where their weaknesses were. And I think the Saints, if they if they bring it, I reckon they'll have it. Oh, it'll be a very intriguing game, but one game, even though they're relatively close on the ladder, I don't think will be too close. It's North versus Freo. I think the Dockers' form has uh, really surprised a lot of people this year, while North have struggled quite a bit. So I reckon uh, Freo should be able to get the win here. What do you think, Caden? Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about sort of Freo's pretty good consistency um, against some of the top, better teams. And, I mean, I think they did very well in disarming Melbourne as well. So, yeah, I mean, 
it's against North Melbourne, so I mean, I, I don't think you could um, feel too confident backing them. So yeah, Freo. Yeah, the same as you guys. I'll back Freo as well. Yeah, and another game which uh, could potentially have a big margin is Port versus Essendon. Kind of at this stage in the season, the Bombers don't have too much to play for while Port are looking to lock up top spot to get a home qualifying final. I think uh, the power should get the win here. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you on that one. Essendon uh, troubles on field, and I think with McKenna situation unfolding this week, I think uh, a bit of off-field um, problem as well. So I think Port will just be too strong for them. Yeah, losing little Mozzie too doesn't help with the uh, the ACL for Essendon. So, I mean, Port, Port have just been pretty good all round, I think, um, against especially against the um, the lower-end lower teams. So I think like after Essendon last week, I don't think um, anyone would back them. So, yeah, Port. Yeah, and a uh, big game for you, Hayden. GWS versus Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> if they have to any chance of making the eight, they have to win this match. So, going to let you uh, do the main one down for this one. Do you reckon your Ds can cause an upset against the Giants? It's hard because I'd, I'd like to see the, um, the Giants game against Adelaide because if they lost there, then I'd feel a lot more confident. I'd tip, may possibly tip Melbourne, but like I think I've learned from this week, not to um, have too much confidence in them. So yeah, I'll, I'll put my money on Giants. I think there's just too many question marks around Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, I think there definitely is the question marks around Melbourne, and I think if the Giants, they should be able to get the win. But uh, yeah, so I'll back the Giants. Yeah, I'll go the Giants as well, and. Uh, Finn and I are doing your community service because any time we've uh, all tipped against Melbourne, they've ended up winning. So uh, we're probably jinxed them in the right direction here. But another intriguing game between Carlton and Adelaide. Uh, who knows by then, uh, the Crows might have a good form of two wins in a row. But I tipped against Carlton against the Swans, but I reckon they should be able to get the job done against the Crows, Finn. Uh, yeah, yes, I think uh, yeah, I think the Blues will be too strong in this one, Adelaide, just with that one win, and Blues hopefully put together a four-quarter display, so I'll go with them as well. Yeah, I mean, you'd, ex- you'd expect them to knock out 18th on the ladder, um, and I mean, obviously it depends on how they go against Sydney, and as I said before, Adelaide against GWS, but I'll, I'll predict now that, yeah, I'd go Carlton. And a big game in terms of shaping the kind of bottom of the eight Hawks versus the Bulldogs Hawks out of the running but the Bulldogs are they managed to upset the Eagles but this is the game they could kind of drop knowing their form line over the last couple years but I reckon I'll go the dogs here even though in terms of the Collingwood supporters perspective I'm hoping they drop one of their last two games but I think the Bulldogs will uh, just be too strong for your Hawks, Finn. Yeah, that's the way it seems. But I think I'm going to go against the Dogs. I went for them this week and it worked for me. So I'll go against them this week, uh, next week. And I think we showed, the Hawks showed enough against St Kilda. There were signs there, led them for some of the day. Um, and I think they'll be looking to rebound. And we traditionally play well against the Doggies as well. So I reckon it might be a bit of a sniff for that one. Jeez, a big call. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the hot take for this week. <laughs> I think, um, look, yeah, Bulldogs looked very strong after their crucial win against West Coast, and you'd expect them to want to strongly ca- campaign on to secure themselves in the eight. So I think they'll sort of be fighting just as hard this week against Hawks. Yeah, I'd have no qualms if things uh, tip came through. Uh, a game which are uh, kind of opposites of the ladder, but Sydney versus Brisbane. Sydney have been competitive this year, but I think Brisbane, especially uh, with a top two chance on the line, even though 
they have to travel to Cairns. So doing the hard yards in terms of travelling this season, I reckon they should be able to beat the Swans. Yeah, Brisbane finding a way to win in their matches. And although we have talked about the Swans and they've been able to string some pretty good games together, I think Brisbane will be too strong. Yeah, uh, Brisbane's just been too too good, I think, just clawing their way over the edge against some of the better teams. And uh, I wouldn't put Sydney up there with them, but maybe in a couple of years. But yeah, I'll go Brisbane. And uh, finally, to get the end of this block of games, we have uh, Collingwood versus Gold Coast. Uh, we've touched on how the Suns have improved this season, and this is definitely a danger game for the Pies, who uh, want to lock up a spot in the top eight. But I reckon just having a bit of a longer break after a pretty condensed period of games, uh, I'm hoping the Pies should get the job done. But what do you think, Caden? Yeah, it is a little worrying for Collingwood, um, considering Gold Coast, have been they've been doing all right so i think collingwood would probably be going into this pretty hard considering where they are on the ladder and wanting to stay in so i think they'll get the job done yeah collingwood fighting to cement their spot in the eight and i think gold coast will put up a fight but i think the experienced heads of collingwood would be a bit too good so yeah i'll back the pies as well oh well thank you for all your tips but before we end the podcast we have our Panel question, a question we ask each other each week and which we encourage you, the listener, to engage with. And this week is, do you have or did you used to have any footy superstitions? Uh, Footy supporters are probably uh, the most cautious and kind of hopeful groups of people in the world when it comes to getting their team over the line. So, Hayden, I'm sure you've probably had to call on some external force (laughs) to hope that the T's can get over the line over the years. Have you ever had any traditions or superstitions that you've engaged in yeah i've never been one for superstitions but i reckon as a kid i probably thought melbourne were cursed and that was why i stopped watching you can only put up with so many losses a year and whether i'm starting to think that's the case now but yeah no i don't really have any real superstitions I, i had a friend who he used to come over and when he'd watch carlton play he'd come over with a beanie his guernsey his scarf and he'd bring his carlton bean bag and um, I mean, this is back, you know, Carlton hasn't been that good, so it usually ended in tears, but <laughs> it was always entertainment for us. Yeah, well, uh, as a Collingwood supporter, I've had a few superstitions over the years, uh, none that I really engage with now, but even when they uh, clearly didn't work for some reason, much like other footy supporters, I still engage with them each week. It was really weird stuff, like probably the weirdest one was when I was a kid, I had to chug a cup of water during each quarter time break and somehow that was supposed to get Collingwood over the line. Like, it's just trying to improve my hydration. But, Finn, if you had any techniques and if you had, I, I reckon they'd work because the Hawks have had a pretty good run over uh, kind of your period supporting them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, probably not the last three years if we've missed out on finals, but... um. Similar to you guys, don't really have any superstitions now, but definitely before, in I guess you could say Hawthorne's golden era, between 2008 and probably around 2013-14, when they won three in a row, especially when Buddy was playing. I remember whenever I'd watch Buddy on TV, the volume always had to be at number 23, so uh, that was always one, and he seemed to go quite well when that happened. So, yeah, that was my big superstition when I was watching Hawthorne and Buddy. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for all your thoughts. I'm sure everybody's had a superstition at one stage during their life, so make sure to uh, leave a comment in one of our social media links below if you did. But 
that's all for this week on the podcast. Uh, quick thank you to Kevin McLeod for the Son District 4. It's an intro and outro song to this podcast and to Channel 7 and Fox Footy for the commentary audio used. Thanks again for coming on the show, guys. We're in the final stretch. Uh, for some reason, it feels like a lot longer, but the season's almost over and finals are almost over. So uh, anything you guys want to quickly say? Yeah, another good episode and uh, looking forward to some more football and uh, keeping track with uh, all the results. I'm ready to be bombarded with another week of footy and um, drowning my sorrows in Melbourne's games yet again. So um, look forward to next week, boys. Yeah.